What's up, everybody? For the weekend in February 3rd, my name is Marks, and this is Freedom Tech Wrap, a weekly source for news and project updates in the freedom and independent technology space. We live in a highly connected world. Freedom Tech lets you decide how you want to connect and where your data live. Freedom Tech Wrap is an independent show. If you want to support what we're doing, you can send us value through your podcasting 2.0 app. Your support and your feedback are greatly appreciated. Now, this week's episode is going to be short. Just before I sat down to finalize everything, I lost a big portion of my notes. That's right, me. I'm the person who follows the mantra of, if it's not in two places, it doesn't exist. Well, I've been using the bookmark feature in the Domus Noster client as part of my research. And while troubleshooting an issue, I reinstalled the app and boom, that's when I remembered bookmarks are only stored locally on the client and they were all gone. So lesson learned for me to make sure that I'm not depending on a single device for a chunk of my research. All right, let's get on to the news. The environmental arm of the U.S. government wants commercial Bitcoin miners to register with them on a survey. So this comes courtesy of an article posted on the U.S. Energy Information Administration website. This is a government website dated on February 1st, and it's called Tracking Electricity Consumption from U.S. Cryptocurrency Mining Operations. So they are claiming that they want to do research to understand the load on the grid and all these things, but uh, they went and got a mandatory court order to have uh, to impel and compel, I should say, to compel these miners to register. Here are a couple quotes from the article. Electricity demand associated with U.S. cryptocurrency mining operations in the United States has grown very rapidly over the last several years. Our preliminary estimates suggest that an annual electricity use from cryptocurrency mining probably represents from 0.6% to 2.3% of U.S. electricity consumption. This additional electricity use has drawn the attention of policymakers and grid planners concerned about its effects on cost, reliability, and emissions. Key challenges associated with tracking cryptocurrency mining energy use include the difficulty of identifying cryptocurrency mining activity among millions of U.S. end-user customers and the dynamic nature of the crypto market, where mining assets can be moved rapidly to areas with lower electricity prices. And then the last thing I want to quote out of here, in order to develop more rigorous estimates of electricity use by U.S. cryptocurrency miners, we have requested and received an emergency clearance pursuant to Office of Management and Budget Procedures established, la, yada, 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 yada. Okay, so they have to report their, uh, the miners have to report from February of 2024 through July of 2024. That is when they want to collect their data on a their data on a monthly basis. So I want to go back to one of the lines that they said where it says where mining assets can be moved rapidly to areas with lower electricity prices. They really need to look at that last sentence and understand the implications of that implications of that. Why would a miner physically pick up and move machinery to a place with lower energy cost? It's not like this is just going into another room in a factory or even going across town. This might be moving cities, moving states. This can be quite a, a cost to incur. So why would they do that? Well, it's because the energy can't be sold for a higher price in that new area. 
the producer of electricity has two options. They can either lower the price until they find someone who's willing to buy it, or they can intentionally waste the excess power, like, for example, sending it into the ground. That's all they can do. They produce electricity and they sell it to people. And if people aren't willing to pay the price, then they lower it and try to find more people. And if they eventually can't find anyone to buy it at that price, then they just waste the electricity they produced. This should end the entire thing. Bitcoin is not profitable to mine where there are other people buying power. That's it. If you look at Europe, for example, which has higher energy costs, there's very little mining hash rate compared to the rest of the world. The places that have serious amounts of mining take place where energy is not being purchased for other users or for other uses, I should say, and has become cheap. So policymakers continue to try and figure out how they can wrangle the mining process. But what they seem to not want to grasp is that it is actually helping to build out grid infrastructure in places that wouldn't be able to build it out to begin with because there aren't enough customers to buy that power. So if you have a rural town and they don't have enough buyers to justify the build out of the grid, to justify transmission lines, to justify increased capacity, then the capital won't show up to build it out for them because they won't be able to pay off that capital in a reasonable amount of time. So that's where Bitcoin miners come into play and they will buy all of that extra energy to offset the capital until more people move into the town and start buying electricity and then it becomes too expensive for the Bitcoin miners and they leave town and go to the next one. If you've listened to the show for uh, since the beginning, you'll notice that this is a theme that we talk about on here. This is also a great time to remind people that you can get a Bitcoin space heater. Uh, even if it's not profitable, you get the heat for your room, which also adds value. My Bitcoin space heater that I have uses half the electricity of a normal one that I also have. Um, they heat up the same room, but this one mines Bitcoin at a break-even pace. So there are also many times during the day that I might be the only person at home and I turn the overall house thermostat down a few degrees and I just heat up the room that I'm in with my Bitcoin miner. So I'm saving money on the overall heating bill. All right, next up, there is a service called Knitter and it is shutting down. If you are familiar with this, this is a privacy oriented way to browse Twitter. It lets you look at Twitter, but um, it anonymizes your traffic. It tries to turn off cookies and ads and other things. Well, unfortunately, this is the end for Knitter. According to Zed, the main developer, uh, they say, it appears the project's termination is linked to X or Twitter's decision to disable the creation of guest accounts. Knitter was heavily reliant on these anonymous accounts, which were only supported by older versions of the Twitter app. So fare thee well. Knitter is still running uh, on a few servers, but it looks like once those guest accounts expire, then the service will cease to be usable. Okay. You might remember from last week's episode, we talked about an alternative project to GitHub. This is another one of those projects. This one is courtesy of Fiat Jaff, who is the creator of the Noster protocol, coincidentally. And this project is called Gitster, G-I-T-S-T-R. 
And the reason this actually surfaced with me is that the creator of the Amethyst app, which is an Android Nostra client, said, uh, his name's Vitor. Vitor said that with Fiat Jaff's Gitster, you can now send a Git patch to the Amethyst uh, project through Nostra's relays and fully avoid GitHub. So that's really cool. You are able to contribute to this project in a decentralized manner, to contribute to a Noster client using Noster protocol, which is awesome. Uh, also, it should be noted that Fiat Jaff has been one of the people outspoken on the topic of an alternative to GitHub and thinks that we should build a bunch of smaller apps and microservices as opposed to a monolithic open source app that would replace GitHub. Uh, it doesn't think that we really need to have a, just one big thing because then it tends to centralize and just becomes difficult to work with. So let's build a bunch of small things that can all communicate together. Last news story of the day is that there is another conference that has been announced. This is Nostriga 2024. If you remember, the Nostr Unconference first started in Costa Rica as Nostriga. Then it went to Japan and Hong Kong under the name of Nostrasia. And now it is going to Riga, Latvia under the name of Nostriga. And it is going to be part of a larger Riga Bitcoin week that also has the, Bit the Baltic Honey Badger Conference. So if you would like to attend, this is happening on August 22nd to 23rd, 2024. That is this upcoming summer. You can go to nostr.world to find more information. Okay, let's read boosts that we received and zaps that we received from last week's episode. First up, we have the Wild Hustle zapped 2,000 sats and said, great rip. Thank you, Wild Hustle. Appreciate you every week. Next up, we have Joel W., who boosted 333 sats without a message. Well, really, it was a message that says dot, dot, dot. Uh, so thank you, Joel. Really appreciate that. On Noster, on the note where I published this episode last week, Mazin, who was mentioned in the episode, zapped 888 sats. Thank you, Mazin. Quentin zapped 555 sats. Thank you, Quentin. Also mentioned in the episode. Uh, and then Rhea, 50 sats. Thank you, Rhea. And Jeff G zapped 21 sats. All four of these people were mentioned in the episode. Y'all are great. Thank you so much for zapping. And thank you for the projects that you're working on and what you're doing for the freedom and independent technology community. Thank you for your support. As a reminder, if you send a boost on an episode using your podcasting 2.0 app or zap me on Noster, I will read it on every show. Okay, on to project updates. First up, we have Graphene OS, version 2024-01-2600, effectively January 26, 2024. Uh, and this update has lots of updates for how eSIMs are handled, as well as updates to the camera settings, and then lots of kernel fixes and updates. So check that out if you're running Graphene. Next, we have Domus, which is a major client for Noster. Domus released version 1.7 to test flight. It has not quite made it into the App Store yet, but it's notable to mention it here because they introduced a new service called Domus Purple. And this is a paid service that lets you support Domus development as well as get additional features. So to quote Will, creator of Domus, he says, we are pumped to announce the launch of Domus Purple you can be part of the roadmap for the year to come and beyond by supporting our team with this optional membership. 
Currently, it's open to test flight users only, but will be on the App Store shortly. Thanks for joining us on this wild ride. Next up, we have a Bitcoin wallet, Blue Wallet 6.5.0. They have added crash detection for the watch app and lots of bug fixes. And then last today, our friends over at Start9 have announced that there is a new app on their app store, and this is Noster Wallet Connect. Officially, it's version 0.4.2. This is really cool because it lets you run Noster Wallet Connect on your own server and connect to your own Lightning node. So you can be sovereign with your Bitcoin Lightning node and the way that it talks to the world. This was built by our friends over at Albi, who uh, many of you use their wallet, and this will connect your Lightning wallet to apps using the Noster protocol. So a bunch of open protocols, open communication, and now open money is able to communicate out in a self-sovereign way. So check it out if you're running StartOS. That's it for news and updates this week. This is Freedom Tech Wrap. If you find this weekly source useful, please share it with your people. You can also support us through Value for Value and send us feedback on Noster to marks at nosterplebs.com. And remember to live independent. Later. See you.